Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. It is my passion to share with young moms tips and tools to make your journey easier. I homeschooled my kids over a period of 37 years because there were 14 of them, and some things we did were right, some things we did were wrong, and I'd love to share with you tips to make your journey easier so you can learn from my mistakes. Okay, we are picking up the topic we started last week, ways to love your children biblically. And we are on number 10, love is never demeaning your child's character. We would never allow our kids to belittle each other, like something that all of them did if they were in fourth grade and somebody was in kindergarten and that the kindergartner was struggling with their work, the fourth grader would say, oh, that's easy. But I wouldn't allow them to say that because I would tell them, you know what, when you were in kindergarten, it was not easy for you. So you are discouraging your brother or sister when you tell them it's easy and they're struggling with it. But I think we as parents can do that too. Um, we need to realize that our kids are a work in progress. We need to encourage them, not discourage them because the world is not going to build them up and encourage them, and that's why God gives kids parents. Never, uh, try never, to compare your kids with their siblings. Like, the math was easy for so-and-so, or you don't clean the house, you don't do your job as diligently as so-and-so, because that's going to build resentment in them toward the other sibling. Don't compare them with others. Compare them with the standard, God's standard. You know, I think that you could work on being more diligent in doing your chores and then explain to them how. But don't compare them to the siblings because that's just going to create a big mess. They're going to resent their siblings. Beware of making fun of something they said or did because that's belittling too. Don't assume the worst of them and their motives. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week. It's so easy to project on them the way we would feel in the same situation. But your kids are so different than you. You know, all my kids, all 14 of them are different, and the way they respond and react is different. So we need to not just assume we understand what's going on, learn to ask wise, probing questions. Also, don't box them into a mold, like saying, he's so shy. I remember my mom used to do that to me, and I was a shy kid. But when you hear your parents say that, you think, something's wrong with me. I'm shy, whatever that is. And it just, it makes you more shy. It makes you more hesitant to talk to strangers or talk to adults or whatever. So beware of that. Even sometimes if you're not... Um, belittling them, but if you're laughing at something cute that they did, we found this, you know, we loved talking about the cute things that our kids did. It was kind of like our entertainment. But we realized that if we laughed about something in front of them because we think it's cute, they might think we're actually laughing at them. So I would try to tell the stories when they were not present. Um, you just, you need to step in their shoes and see how they're perceiving something. It's, you think what they said was very cute, the way they responded, but if you're laughing, then they're thinking what they said was really dumb. 
So we just need to be very, very careful of how we act in front of our kids. Number 11, love is not assuming your child's motives. You can't assume that they're responding how you would respond or how you expect them to respond from how they've acted in the past. You know, we need to believe the best of them. In 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it talks about love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. <clears throat> you need to believe the best in your kids and let yourself be proved wrong unless you're sure of wrongdoing. You know, kids feel trapped if a parent wrongly assesses their motives. What can they do? It's, it kind of, it traps them. You know, if, if they did not have wrong motives and you're just assuming or telling their dad or whatever that they did something from wrong motives, it's kind of like they can't say, no, I didn't. I really didn't have wrong motives. You're boxing them. You're trapping them. So remember, wise questions are the key, not accusing speech. If you start out with you always, even if they have a pattern in the past, don't assume the worst of, the, worst of them. Ask wise questions. Ask probing questions. See what was going on in their heart. Because your goal is not to have peace in your home. Sometimes we feel like it is. But our goal is pleasing God. We need to please God. We need to teach our kids to please God. And that's the goal we need to keep foremost in front of us. Number 12, love is being quick to admit your sin and struggles to your kids. They can learn from your struggles. It's powerful learning if they see you struggling, even if it pertains to how you're responding to them. You know, trust is built if they sense your motives are pure or that you're trying to act with pure motives. Be quick to admit when you're wrong. It builds trust and respect. Although at the time, Satan's going to trick you into believing the lie that it will do just the opposite. You think if your kids know that you're struggling in this area, they're going to think really poorly of you. They're not going to obey you. Um, they're going to say, well, if mom's whatever, if mom's prideful or if mom's angry, then... It's okay for me to do that, too, because mom hasn't perfected it yet. But that's not true. If your kids see you struggling and trying to do the right thing, it's going to build them up. It's going to show them a pattern for how to deal with sin in their own lives. But Satan tries to believe us, to trick us into believing the lie like he's done all through the ages. But he's very subtle. Number 13, love is being careful to fulfill your promises to your kids. And let me just say, don't make promises that you may not be able to keep. I kind of learned this the hard way, but I became so slow to make promises. They're so easy to make, but incredibly hard to keep. It's dependent sometimes on the weather or schedules or emergencies or forgotten commitments. So I got in the habit of saying, I will do my best to take you to the park this week, for instance. <clears throat> very soon. I will do my best to take you very soon, but I was reluctant to make promises. Sometimes I even said, I'm not promising. I don't like to make promises to you because I don't want to break them. Broken promises are very hard for kids to forget, but it's so easy for us just to blurt out, okay, if you do this, then I promise you will blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but it wounds them if you're not able to fulfill that promise. 
And we do need to guide our kids in how to deal with disappointments. Disappointments are going to happen. There are going to be some times that we are, we do have something planned and we can't do it because of the weather or something's come up. <clears throat> but we need to guard against being the provider too often when it's avoidable. Love, number 14, love is being a woman of the word so that you can be the kind of mom you should be. Determined to spend time daily in the word and make it your best time. I've said this in another podcast, but don't feel like you've got to do what somebody else says, like you've got to spend time in the word first thing in the morning. It may be that that is the best time for you, but it may be that it's not. It may be that you've been up with sick babies all night or nursing babies or you're just not a morning person, you're drowsy in the morning. We want to give God our best time, especially, I think it's more of a challenge as a mom because you're a mom 24 hours. You don't leave a job and, and you can schedule all your time around that work time like husbands do. So I think it's important to find the best time and mine's changed over the years. Right now it is in the morning, but the the rest my raising my kids life of the years that I spent raising my kids it was not that way it was sometimes at their nap time it was sometimes if I had young kids and I put them all to bed there was a time when my husband was working at night so it would be in the evening after I put my kids to bed then when I had a busy household with lots of kids my best time was in the evening after everybody was in bed and probably asleep, I would get up and spend time in the Word. So there's not a time that you have to do that. Just find whatever works best for you in the season of life that you're in. And as I say, mine changed through the years, and yours will change too. But you want to give God your best. Also, just let me say, when you are spending time teaching your kids the Word, you're memorizing Scripture together, you're doing Bible studies together, you're teaching them godly character, that is, is helping you too. It is benefiting you. So it's, it's kind of works together. When you are teaching your kids these things, you are learning it as well. So there is there needs to be a time when you get alone and you spend time in God's word, but all these other things you're doing with your kids are benefiting your spiritual life too. Your memorization time can be when you're teaching the kids to memorize. Um, you know, when you're doing those things with your children, you are benefiting as well. Number 15, love is responding, is not responding in defensiveness when your child questions your decisions or how you're raising them. You know, it's, it's a part of growing up. It's a normal part of growing up, especially when your kids become teens. They're going to question the way that you raise them or, or why you do things the way that you do things. Encourage conversation. Resist the temptation to have your hackles up and feel threatened because kids, they're reaching an age in development where they need to understand the why. They need to understand why you had this rule, why you came to this conviction or this conclusion. And they're not necessarily challenging you. They're just wanting to understand. And they need to be able to adopt standards on their own for themselves. And it's our job to guide them. <clears throat> if, if they sense that you feel threatened, they're going to clam up. And they're going to go to their friends or somebody else to ask for advice. 
So you want to encourage conversation. You want to encourage being able to talk things over. You know, there was a time when you didn't have the convictions that you have, and you had to come to that on your own. And understand that your kids will have to do that too. That's normal, that's natural, and you need to be a part of that process. If you cut them off, they're going to go to others. They're going to go to kids their own age or somebody that you might not want them getting advice from. So guard against that. Number 16, love is realizing that deep relationships are built on trust. And trust takes time and consistency. <clears throat> you need to teach this to your kids, too. When they do something wrong and you have to take away a privilege, it takes time for them to rebuild your trust in them. But it, it works that way to you. If you have wronged your kids consistently a certain way, and you need to go and ask forgiveness and let them know you're trying to change that and God's dealing with you on that, it's going to build a, a, take a little bit of time for you to build that trust back up. But trust is so important. You want your kids to know that you care more about them than you do about your schedule or your plans or your time or your fun or, you know, you... At this season of your life, you are investing in your kids, and you want them to know that it's more important to you for them to be successful than it is for you to be successful. Some of your goals you're going to have to put on the back burner and wait until your kids are raised before you're able to do some of those things you would like to do. But your kids need to have that abiding trust that even when you do wrong, if, if they feel like you... They have your heart, they're going to be a lot quicker to forgive you when you do do wrong because they're going to know that ultimately you love them and you're more concerned about them than you are about yourself. And that's your goal. Number 17, love is being honest and not manipulative in the way you handle your kids. Be above board, not sneaky. Kids respond to honesty and that helps to build trust. There are some people that just manipulation tends to be something they default to. And if you're one of those people, you need to guard against that because you don't want to feel like you're, you don't want your kids to feel like they're being manipulated by you to have a certain outcome. <clears throat> you want to teach your kids to evaluate situations and make wise decisions. And that's done with honesty. Number 18, the love is being willing to be flexible in your schedule and realize that you will be called upon to have less free time and sleep time than you would like. When a need arises during the day, sometimes it's easy just to ignore that, but snatch that conducive time, that teaching time. Teaching time requires flexibility. When you have children in your home and you're teaching them, they're in the teaching stage, you need to be flexible. You need to capture those moments of conduciveness, where they're more conducive to learning. And sometimes you just have to put down what you're doing and get down on their level and talk them through something. And then when your kids get older, some of the best talks I had with my kids were after 11 o'clock at night. If I would see one of my kids just kind of hanging around, not going off to bed, it would kind of a cue that there's something on their mind they need to talk about. So after everybody was down and the house was quiet, I would stay up and talk to them. Sometimes I was tired and I wanted to go to bed, but 
it's hard for a teen to share their heart if the house is full of all this busyness. So in our family anyway, it worked out best for me to talk to them late at night. And I did that often. Or if your kids are little, you know, they want you to come see the ants on the front porch or the castle they just built in the sandbox and you're making dinner. <clears throat> Let them know, say, you know what, I would much rather be in the sandbox with you right now, but I need to get this casserole in the oven. Let mom get it in the oven and then I want to come see your castle. So don't knock it down because I'll be out there in just a few minutes. You know, let them know that you would rather be with them. You would rather be seeing what's important to them or doing what's important to them than what you're having to do right now. But let them know that you're going to make provision. You know, maybe 10 minutes more, I'll get this casserole in the oven and then I'll be out to build castles with you. Number 19, love is pouring on affirmation, appreciation, and respect for your kids just the way God made them. You know, your kids are a creation of God made in his image, but they're carefully crafted to have certain traits designed by him. I remember the story of Amy Carmichael, and you might want to look up this story. She always wanted blue eyes. She was the only one in her family to have brown eyes, and she even prayed to God to give her blue eyes, and he didn't answer that prayer. But when she was an adult, actually a young adult, she was in India where there were girls being abused and mistreated. And she, God gave her the vision to save these girls. And she was able to do that because she had brown eyes and she fitted in. Um, she fit in in the culture that she was in um, so that she was able to rescue them. If she had had blue eyes, they would have stood out and she would not have been able to accomplish the work that God had for her. So it's a great story. Um, there's a store, there's a line of books for little kids that has that story. I'll put it in the show notes so you can look it up. But teach your kids, God made them in a special way for a special purpose. If they've got a disability or they've got um, something that's unchangeable, God created them in that way. And we need to teach our kids to have a respect for themselves and for others. Then lastly, number 20, love is daily laying down your life to make your kids successful in the eyes of the Lord. Our mission is to lead our kids to be successful in God's eyes, not for them to help us to achieve some goal we have for our life or to make us look good. God has entrusted us to guide them, always pointing them to him and leading them by example to pour out their lives in service for the Lord and for others and not to be self-focused and selfish human beings. Guard against making life all about them by over-involvement in activities to make them well-rounded people. Focus instead on leading them to invest in the lives of others. Elderly, shut-ins, struggling families, there's so many people out there with needs that your kids can learn to kind of make a game out of finding needs that they can meet. Some of our goals for ourselves have to be put on the back burner until we get our children raised. Not all, but some. But always evaluate your priorities. You know, our life takes on different seasons, and the season of little people is very demanding and very narrow. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, says love, this is a good evaluation of your love. Love is patient, 
Love is kind. Think about these things. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. These apply to us as well as our kids. It is not easily provoked. Does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, like we said before, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We can't do it perfectly, but kids are great at reading our hearts. Learn to invest in, invest your heart in your kids as God has entrusted them to you for a season. That season is going to be over before you know it, and I know that's not how you feel right now. Neither did I. But time flies, and believe me, it flies, and opportunities to invest in your kids will pass. You'll always be able to invest in them as long as you live and as long as they live, but when they're in your home, it's such a conducive, God-given time that you don't want to squander. You won't get that back. It will be different. When your kids leave your home, when they grow up, you still invest in them. It's, it's different in different ways, but you'll never get back that in your home time. So keep your focus clear and learn to cry out daily to God for wisdom. He's there and he's just waiting for you to ask for wisdom. He wants to pour it out to you. Nothing is too small to ask God about. Make time to enjoy loving your kids and you will get through this season in your life with no regrets. You're going to make mistakes, you're going to stumble. Your kids are going to make mistakes, they're going to stumble. But if you can keep this in mind, if you can remember that your goal and your kids' goal is to learn to please God and make time to enjoy loving your kids. Thanks for joining me today. <laughs>